The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing in zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What's up, the Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the football betting weekend review. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. We've been doing this podcast for three-plus years. Is this the first time we've ever done an episode after an Arkansas SEC win? <laughs> I think the so. Last, yeah, yeah. well, let's see. Let's review. Chad Morris never beat a Power 5 team, which means he went over in SEC conference play. Uh, Brett Bielema got one conference win in 2017, uh, back when you and I were uh, sports action. Uh, Gin and Juice, the Gin and Juice podcast. So, uh, congratulations. Let's just get it out of the way. Congratulations, Arkansas Razorbacks. Tremendous comeback for the football team. And, and like I said, I said this, I preached this on all our podcasts before. Great direction. Everybody's bought in. The coordinators are doing all the work. Uh, couldn't be happier. Yeah, phenomenal win. And Mississippi State goes and beats LSU, then comes home and loses to Arkansas, two-plus touchdown favorites. And look mm. – this just goes to show you how st- – I'm curious to see what Alabama's going to do, but this just goes to show you how stupid LSU is. I mean, you, you play man all day against yeah. Leach's offense. You play man, like man-to-man defense against an air raid. And, and then, yes, and then they set records. Well, Arkansas intelligently played zone the entire game, which is what you do against the Mike Leach offense. I'm curious to see what Alabama does. They, they usually play a mostly man. I Listen, I'm not going to sit here and just, you know – bathe in the in how great it was to get that win but the hogwash calling for kj costello to be the heisman for mike leach to make the college football playoff let's just pump the brakes here i mean that's so much overreaction yeah um all right so today we're going to we have thursday night college football we'll talk about the monday night football game um we'll recap yesterday what happened in college football let's before we do that let's get to the voicemails Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Action Network Podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. All hope is lost. Texas, TCU, over under 63, had the over. Watch Texas fumble it away at the one-yard line, stop paying attention, only to get the text that Gary Patterson and Max Duggan, you beautiful bastards, ran through the back of the end zone for the backdoor safety. First time in my life I've gotten that fucking lucky, and my goodness, does it feel good. I feel like I stole money. I feel like for the past five years I've seen this Texas A&M plus 17.5 or more spread, and every year, my dumb believes that Texas A&M could keep up. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Texas A&M didn't even need to do anything special. I mean, they just needed to make a 30-yard field goal from the first drive. You know, and then Bama throwing bombs up 21 late. They went by 28. I would, I would bet A&M again. They put up 500 yards. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing that people are noticing is that Texas A&M had scoring opportunities. They made it eight times past the Alabama 40. Alabama only made it past the Texas A&M 45 times, so they almost had double the chances to score. Uh, you know, it's just a difference of execution. They were jumping routes on underneath and let, letting Waddle get behind them, and it's I, there was a couple of plays by the safeties and the corners, but even if they didn't have safety help, I was like, what are they doing? And that, that's the way you can't get beat by Bama. Adam in L.A., I would like to officially announce my endorsement for the new kicker of this podcast to be Griffin Kell, who is single-handedly keeping my TCU bet alive. That dude got a f***ing leg. All right, speaking of the TCU kicker, Kell, who did have a great day, um, I do have some breaking news for the podcast. The Big 12 has opted out of the college football playoff for non-COVID reasons. The Big 12 is done. Maybe Oklahoma State runs the table and somehow gets in, but their wins over Texas, their wins over Oklahoma, we're going to get to Brocktober. It looks like Texas was overrated. They go down against TCU. RIP to anyone who had the under that lost on the safety late. Duggan was the entire handicap for me. I wanted all of them, and he played the entire game, and he showed what he could do. Uh, Texas, <laughs> post-game win expectancy, TCU 77%. Listen, it wasn't a fluke. I mean, Texas really did get beat here. Their defense is one of the more atrocious ones. I keep saying that, but, I mean, OU's involved here. They're about to play each other. I don't know how anybody gets any tackles down. Uh, I'm looking at some advanced box scores. There's just so much success rate. Uh, Texas actually had some explosiveness in the game. They just didn't have any efficiency, which is a little weird for them. But listen, their defense isn't stopping anybody. The Big 12 is done. I know Oklahoma State is undefeated, but they've got to still run the entire you know slate to, to, to make it to the college football playoff. But uh, Texas's defense is – we're going to find out which one is worse between them and Oklahoma. Colin, John from Philly calling in. I originally wanted to call to yell at you about – a&M loss, but that's my own fault for getting in front of Alabama. Instead, I'm going to bitch about Pittsburgh, the penalties in the first half, and NC State's wide receivers. It looks like they have two Calvin Johnsons, one on each side of the field, and Joe Montana throwing them the ball. A horrible beat for me, a live bet on the under. Pitt-NC State was one of the more shocking results of the week to me because I, lo- I love this Pitt defense. By the way, there was some horrible clock management at the end of the game by Narduzzi when Pitt could have been just kicking a game-winning field goal. And so they left time on the clock for Leary, who just who carved up Pitt, threw for 336 and four touchdowns, no picks. Um, NC State finishes with 400 yards on 5.2 yards per play. Well, I mean, what happened with this Pitt defense? Is NC State a lot better than we thought? Pitt had a 73%. Post-game win expectancy, and if you look at the number of yards, Pitt had 503, NC State had 398. Uh, you know, Pitt had 13 penalties for 125 yards. So, I mean, to me, it looks like Pitt really just, you know, kind of went against themselves, especially, you know, the defensive havoc was still there. Uh, NC State played a good game, but really a lot of this was Pitt not being able to convert uh, on points per opportunity. I mean, if you look at NC State, they posted a negative uh, success rate in rushing in every single quarter. Uh, You know, it's just a thing where NC State hung around. They converted points when they needed to. But this was a lot of Pitt just shooting themselves in the foot all over the place. Um, All right, let's move on here. Uh, We no longer need to handicap sports. We just need to bet all of the units on BYU week to week. It doesn't really matter. It's going to cover. It's going to cash. And then we can all retire at the end of the year. Stucky, you are impressive with your terrible teams that you bet on. You couldn't get off the Akron wagon this year, get all over Middle Tennessee State till you have to go to Murfreesboro, and then this week you bet on Kansas? Kansas? 
I'm a Kansas alum, and I wouldn't bet on this terrible team. What are you doing? Uh, it's actually not a bad plan about retiring, just betting on BYU. Look, I mean, Zach Wilson is awesome at quarterback. I think he's going to be – he's a, a legit pro prospect. They've just been rolling teams, but, I mean, who have they played? I, I, I mean, I've upgraded them a bunch, but they've played La Tech – they played Troy and they played Navy, a Navy team that got demolished by a brand new Air Force team playing their first game of the year. So, I mean, and why, who do they play? They play UTSA next. And, I mean, their schedule's an absolute clown show. But maybe should, we should just keep laying the points with, with uh, BYU. Are you impressed with the Cougars? Well, Zach Wilson is everything that we thought his potential could be. He's finally playing to it. But, I mean, you cannot deny what they're doing, especially uh, in finishing drives. BYU had seven drives go past the 40-yard line. They ended up with an average of 6.43 points per trip past the 40. BYU's execution on offense right now is flawless from a rushing and a passing perspective. Stuff's right, though. The level of competition. Uh, I'm really surprised La Tech just laid down. I mean, La Tech just didn't have – I mean, it was 7-7, and that was it. Yeah, that was the end of the game. So, I mean, but give, give credit to BYU. Yeah, BYU has Texas State, uh, Western Kentucky – North Alabama, left on its schedule, UTSA. They'll play Houston, I think, who still hasn't played a game. I mean, it's just a clown car schedule. So, please stop. Don't talk about them for the college football playoff. All right, moving on. Georgia pounding it. It is not Bo Nix season full effect. Georgia is routing them. I just lost the first half under bet. That's a dead loser. I got a lot of losers on my card today. I don't blame anybody but myself, but I blame Colin. Uh, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about that game. Oh, by the way, I mean that we do, we love every single voicemail. But I, I, I mean, I can go. I think I went seventy percent on Saturday, and you'll get a call about one loser. Did you make this game? Are you idiot? Uh, we keep those calls coming. That's we we love those. But yeah, we had a phenomenal day. Colin hit like a ridiculous. Five or six in his round robin underdog, but it's on to the next week. But we have to talk about Georgia absolutely steamrolling Bo Nix season in full effect. The Bo Nix season was nowhere to be found on Saturday night. Bo Nix season in full effect. Between the hedges, Georgia wins 27 to six in an absolute laugher. There was nothing really to say about this game other than Georgia dominated it. I mean, go look at the box score. It was a joke. Thoughts on Georgia? How impressed were you? Well, the under was toast when Stetson Bennett was still running up tempo for Georgia, and that's a new wrinkle for Georgia football, uh, that when Stetson Bennett is playing, it's going to go a little bit faster. And I think that's something that we'll need to watch out for. If they're going to switch quarterbacks, then maybe we'll look at Georgia unders, but if Stetson Bennett's going to stay in, and they're going to continue to keep running fast plays. But, hey – Auburn only made it past the 40-yard line four times. I mean, they just could not get in position to score whatsoever. And, I mean, listen, Chad Morris, this is big boy football, right? I know you, as a head coach, you never won a Power 5 game. You keep getting into these situations down the field. You have got to get touchdowns. You can't keep kicking field goals all the time or you're going to get demolished. Now, the more I watch this game stuck in the first half, this was going on the same time of, of Arkansas and Mississippi State. Arkansas was looking better and better to me, considering about what they did against Georgia in the opener. So I think what you saw here was a full display of Georgia from an offensive perspective and from a defense perspective. And I don't know which offensive line is better in the nation right now, Georgia or Alabama. I haven't seen any of these. These two 
are moving mountains. I mean, Alabama averages like 350 on the offensive line. Georgia is just demolishing front sevens. Clear, clearly Auburn is not a top 10 team. Uh, you know, hey, Bo Nix took on probably the best defense in the nation. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write on for that. But uh, they had no chances to score whatsoever. They could they got past the 40 yard line four times. Not a great day for Bo Nix season, man. Hopefully we hear from him. Moving on. Colin Stucky, it's the f-ing Bo Nix ambassador. Doesn't look good. There's gonna be one of two meltdowns. It's either gonna be me or it's gonna be Georgia. Colin, I bet you're sitting there smirking somewhere with some dumbass look. Even though you didn't give one good analytical reason to back Georgia, f- you. F- this game, Georgia played their f- ass off, got the dubs. I'm sure f- Georgia and Alabama fans just circled f- and rejoicing everywhere. It's just f- terrible. I'm fixing to go get Frank Gallagher blackout drunk out here. Disappointed in Bo. You know, he didn't have f- 10 seconds to throw the ball. We just got f- slack. It's a wrap. Oh, you know man, you know I, I love the Bo Nix ambassador guy. The funny thing is Georgia didn't even have a huge havoc day. They only had six tackles for a loss, three passes defense. They had no quarterback hurries. Georgia had no quarterback hurries in the box score. There's not much you can say, Bo Nix ambassador. We appreciate the call. And uh, you got to just – sometimes you got to man up and accept your defeats. And uh, I love the reference to getting Frank Gallagher blackout drunk. Man, I, m- I miss that show. I miss shows, new shows. It's one of the worst parts about COVID, which I have, by the way, which is no fun. Hopefully it was not related to me having to go to Murfreesboro for me to hate Middle Tennessee State, who's gotten two back doors in a row since I've went. But sorry, Bo Nix ambassador. We're, g- we're going to find ways to back Bo Nix season and get it back in full effect soon. Moving on. Stucky and that undercall on the Air Force. The, oh, it's an automatic bet for me, an automatic bet. Yeah, 44 and a half closed at 47. And what the f*** happened to Air Force and those 40 players that opted out? How do you have 40 players that opted out and they still beat Navy by 33 god points? I mean, what the f*** is that? Oh, Jesus Christ, boys. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. Mississippi State football is back. Everyone thought I was being cocky. We f***ing suck! God damn it! Stop, Colin. Let me tell you. There's no better f***ing feeling in the world than putting your feet up on the chair in the fourth quarter of a game that you deserve to win and seeing it come to fruition. The fact that we even had to sweat the over in this Iowa State game is almost as laughable as anyone who thinks that Bo Nix doesn't suck a load of d- a hell of a feeling to have you next month's mortgage payment paid already. God f-ing bless for October. Uh, yeah, let's let's stop there and I'll, I'll we'll cross off the big twelve. The rest of the Big Twelve. Oklahoma State rolled Kansas forty-seven-seven. Their backup QB looked great. West Virginia beats Baylor twenty-seven uh, twenty-one in overtime. The refs were horrible in that game, but so is Baylor. I mean, Baylor Baylor gets like four or five turnovers and still ends up losing to West Virginia. They only finished with 250 total yards, 3.6 yards per play. That Baylor team, just a complete fraudulent box score last week against Kansas, and it showed this week against West Virginia. Kansas State beats Texas Tech 31-21 in a battle of backup quarterbacks. I mean, Bowman went down, Skylar Thompson went down, Mm -hmm. and Kansas State ends up pulling it out. And then we have to talk about our clones. It's Brocktober, baby. There we go. 
you just follow Brock Tober. Iowa State beats Oklahoma 37-30 for the first time in Ames in forever. Oklahoma's first time losing back-to-back games in forever. Um, they dropped to 0-2 in the Big 12. It almost sounds weird to say. You just ride Matt Campbell and Brock Purdy in October. Brocktober is the best Tober, and you ask questions later. If you look at the overall box score, you would think that, you know, Brock Purdy didn't do so well, 250 yards, uh, just a single TD, and Spencer Rattler, 300 yards, two TDs, and an INT. But if you go a little bit deeper, uh, you know, Brock Purdy posted a positive success rate in every single quarter, and Spencer Rattler had a serious, serious breakdown in the second half, posted a negative success rate from a passing standpoint. This is two games in a row where he has just wilted in the second half. I mean, he is uh, shaking under pressure, uh, not making good decisions, and he's just getting rocked by that Iowa State front front three. From the 3-3-5, three, three, he was just getting rocked. This is two games in a row where Oklahoma comes out with their hair on fire from a success rate in the first quarter, and then it's just all downhill from there. Oklahoma, that loss to Kansas State, I know there was a lot of unlucky elements, but Rattler is still – learning he's still throwing unnecessary balls he's still trying to read defenses that arm punt he threw late um against the iowa state defense they still don't have a running game the offensive line isn't as strong as it used to be and the defense is the oklahoma defense this team is just not what we're used to seeing out of oklahoma the elite big 12 team this team is beatable no one's afraid of this team no one's afraid of spencer rattler yeah oh speaking of service academies navy's quarterback who I'm a big fan of, didn't travel for medical reasons. And then Perry Olsen also transferred recently. So they started their, you know, basically their third string quarterback. who was awful. Like he tripped and fell running an option and fumbled it deep in Air Force territory. But Air Force completely dominated that game. Their defense was great. And, and these service academies have a lot of turnover usually. Their offense was still all back. They just had to find a quarterback. And, yeah, when you say 30 to 40 players opt out of these service academies, they usually have, like, 150 guys on the team. They don't list them all on the roster. But, yeah, what they did on defense was impressive. It was hard to project because they had zero returning starters <laughs> after the opt-outs. But um, they dominated. And, and the service academy under did hit again. I think, that depending on where it closed, I think officially it might have closed at 47. So I think it might be officially mm-hmm. graded as a push. But, and then I also had Abilene Christian small. Are you kidding me? This is, it's my time for the rant of the week. All right, let it out. This is your rant of the week. I'm in shock at how this game didn't cover. Abilene Christian's down 31. I have 31. Down 31 with like three minutes to go. We're probably going to push. And then they hit a long pass for a touchdown. I'm like, holy, wow, I was not expecting this. So Abilene Christian, they missed the extra point. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, but whatever. So Abilene Christian, there's like two minutes to go. Army gets the ball. They run it a couple times, get a first down. They're at like the 30 or 40 of Abilene Christian. There's a minute to go. Ah, just take knees. The game's over. No. They break a run with 30 seconds left, and then they kick the extra point win by 32. Brutal. It's cyclone season in full effect. Brock, it's over, baby. Lincoln Riley crying on the sideline. That's all. That's it. It is officially Brock. October. There's just nothing better than Brocktober and the Cyclone saving the end of Saturday. I love you guys. It's fucking Brocktober. Uh, I just, I tailed Colin and Moneyline round robin parlay. 20K in the fucking bank. I love you guys. Sleepy fucking Frank is a god. Wow, man. So, 
I don't know if you guys remember me. I'm that bag that said Colin for his round robins. All is forgiven. Five out of six. Well done, dude. Thank you. Keep them coming. Good job. I, I, my buddy line underdogs have been crushing for the yeah. podcast and our weekly article. And you chose Missouri. You hit every other money line dog of the weekend. Um, yeah, very well done. Any thoughts on Missouri? They just outclassed. I didn't see much of that game. Trust me, that was um, that was my thought. Is like, man, I could pick six or seven, but the one that I didn't get is the one I put into the article for our money line underdog. No, uh, Missouri. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that you know you know sour grapes or anything. But Sean Robinson played the first two drives, and then that was it. He was done the rest of the game. Uh, that Basley kid played the rest, and he was inefficient and terrible. Really, the handicap was based upon Sean Robinson's, but I'm not going to complain. I mean, the rest of the day was fantastic. So, you know, apologies for the Missouri, uh, you know, for the Missouri loss. But at the same time, the defense didn't do anything either. It's not just Sean Robinson. The defense couldn't hold up. But also a good call on Coastal. Uh, Arkansas State, my guy, Jay Adams, couldn't get it done. Can Arkansas State just please decide on a quarterback, by the way? Hatcher was awful. I mean, so bad. A Bonner was good. Sometimes I think Hatcher's better. Look, I get it if you want to do it early on, but I, I am – so against these teams that rotate quarterbacks as a former high school fullback i am one to speak about quarterback room no i'm kidding but um i would just imagine like you 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 go out there and you get one drive and then the next guy gets another drive like you got to develop some rhythm and you want to get reps and starting to read defenses like splitting up every other drive drives me crazy um yeah ucf i mean is oklahoma the third best team in oklahoma <laughs> uh, boy that, that is a really good question I, I think we do need to bring up Tulsa uh, I think that's a missed opportunity by you and me because we've been podcasting for years and we always take Tulsa against Central Florida they just have their number when it comes to covering the game group of five I know Boise hasn't even played a game yet but group of five you can probably kiss your chances at the playoff goodbye BYU man they're gonna play little sisters of the poor every <laughs> week and get in all right moving on here yo how long are we gonna let Colin Wilson trash Tennessee on some bullshit rationale. Cheney bullshit, just quoting random things about being obsessed with Kirby. Tennessee covers two weeks in a row. Moneyline misses two weeks in a row. Go yourself, Colin. Uh, well, caller and Tennessee peeps, you know, I just came through Nashville to Murfreesboro. Maybe I'll come down to Knoxville. I'm starting to like this Tennessee team, but more on that. Oh, later. God. Oh. Moving on. Colin's talking Razorback football. First SEC win in over three years. My goodness. Hey, Colin, call them hogs. Woo, Pig Suey. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Yeah, all right, let's let's clean up the rest of the scores here. I mean, in the American SMU beats Memphis. They, they had a long losing streak against Memphis, even though they lost starting running back and they lost their star receiver, Roberson, during the game, who had five catches for 243 yards. He's one of my favorite players in, in the nation. I got to find out the status on him. 
but SMU pulls it out with the last second kick. They have a kick, they have a kicker now. Um, he's their punter, their kicker, their place kicker. That was a huge issue last year. ACC, NC State upsets Pitt. A lot of top 25 teams went down. UNC holds on late. It gets a two-point conversion stop. They return it for a touchdown against BC. Something just seems a little off with UNC. Vatek, their entire secondary was out, but they still beat Duke 38-31. Florida State avoids complete embarrassment and beats Jacksonville State 41-24. They're down 14-0 late. Clemson beats UVA but doesn't cover 41-23. Clemson-Miami next week is what we'll be talking about later this week on the show on our podcast for the week six preview, which will be out Friday morning. Let me just get through the rest of the SEC here. Florida beats South Carolina 38-24, but doesn't cover. The Cox get a cover for us there. Ole Miss beats Kentucky 42-41. I mean, Kentucky football is officially back. By the way, pat myself (laughs) on the back. I did that whole article and this rant on this podcast about how the Kentucky secondary is the most overrated unit in the nation. Yeah, well, Matt Corral threw for 320 yards and four touchdowns. Um, they got roasted by Bo Nix last week, too. It's the secondary. Just, all they did was play in monsoons against bad quarterbacks last year. It's not a great secondary. <clears throat> but they win because Kentucky misses an extra point. Kentucky is the best punter in the nation. They had no kicker. LSU beats Vandy 41-7. Uh, congrats, LSU. No one cares. That shouldn't count against Vanderbilt. Uh, that wraps up the SEC. Any other games you want to mention? Yeah, just a couple of notes on, on, on the entire slate. Listen, Georgia State is for real. I don't – I mean, Eastern Carolina. But Georgia State had 200 more overall yards all on the ground. Listen, we do not bet on Holton Ayler's football at ECU until November. He had three interceptions. We mentioned West Virginia real – you know, that Baylor was kind of had a fraudish box score and West Virginia took over for him. Let me point out, West Virginia had four turnovers and, and all four of them – all four of them were in their own territory and they still won the game. Uh, Baylor couldn't capitalize on anything. It was it was just a, a shit show for Baylor. Uh, so we may need to step back on them. Coastal really did dominate Arkansas State. Arkansas State only had the ball for 18 minutes in that game. Quarterback uh, for Coastal McCall, he had four touchdown passes. Yeah, Coastal was 40-1 to one to win the Sun Belt before the season. I'm a little sad with myself I didn't get down on that, but I didn't know if we were going to have a season. Going back to that Ole Miss game, Coral goes, you know, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 320 yards. He averages 11 yards per pass. You know, Kentucky fumbled at the Ole Miss one early. It was. It turned out to be the difference in the game. And I'm sad that I didn't have Ole Miss in the round, Robin, but I just don't trust the defense. I still don't trust the defense for Ole Miss. Yeah, Kentucky, they fumbled at the one after they were – their back was kind of celebrating before going in and got tackled on a long play. Just a hard loss. But And then and then Stoops not calling timeouts late, playing yeah. for overtime. Just bad. Um, you're playing the Ole Miss defense. Like, call timeouts. You can go down and score. Although the kicker probably would have missed the field goal. All right, let's move on to appreciate all the voicemails. As always, it was a great week, but you're only as good as your next bet. Week six starts on Thursday nights. So we do have Thursday night football. Thursday night college football, I said I should say. We do have Thursday night NFL football, as usual. It's the Bucks and the Bears. We'll be Ray, Chris Raybon and myself will be covering that on the NFL preview podcast, which will come out on Thursday morning. But we'll talk about the Thursday night college football game here, which is Tulane at Houston. We know that Tulane blew that huge lead against Navy. They had a comeback against South Alabama. I was high coming into the year on Houston. I was really high on Houston. I've been dying to bet them multiple times, and they keep their games keep getting canceled. But now I'm a little worried about Houston. It's like and Dana Holgerson, their head coach, said something similar. He said, "Look, there's only so many times you can get up for." 
a practice or play yourselves, right? And it's like you eventually want to play a game. That, that's what you're building towards. And it's been so long. Houston has yet to play a game. They've had five or five games canceled already. So it's like how is he able to keep them sharp and focused and what are they going to look like here? It's something we pretty much have never seen. Um, Air Force, they did it. They looked great. It's a service academy. Um, getting disciplined there shouldn't be that shocking. So this, this is – it's tough from that standpoint. But what do you see here between Houston and Tulane on Thursday night? I'm probably going to be on Houston. Houston is dying to play a game. I mean, they're dying to play a game, and they've got a lot of film on Tulane. And I think we've debunked the theory that a team coming out in their first game is going to have a problem covering. I think that we've kind of figured out that that's not really been the truth, especially from an against the spread perspective. Uh, I'm going to be higher on Houston. I know I put out, I think, Houston minus seven in our projection this morning. If you guys go over to Action Network, you can read what the projections are for all the games this week, including Miami and Clemson. But when it comes to Houston and Tulane, I'm going to be higher than the rest of the market. I've already looked at what everybody, every other power rating system in the world, I, I already know that they're going to have Tulane around. I'm sorry, they're going to have Houston around four, four and a half, and I'm, I'm projecting seven. So, you know, that I, I'm going to be on the Houston side here. Uh, I think it's an extremely talented ball club. They have been dying to play. They've had can- three cancellations, uh, and they've had enough time to see Tulane play this game. I think Houston's going to have a game plan. Uh, I think, you know, whatever that breakdown, I've got to go further study into what that breakdown was against Navy, Tulane, because now Navy's terrible again. Uh, you know, can Tulane pick it up and, and get up off the mat and, and fend for themselves? But uh, this Houston team has a ton of talent, and they have been practicing since August. Since August. These guys have not had a week off from practice. Think about that. So I think they'll be fully prepared. I mean, you look at what Air Force just did. Uh, if Air Force – can produce what they did missing 40 guys, but practicing for eight weeks for one team. And that's the result. Uh, I'm going to be on Houston here. I really love, I think they do have more talent than Tulane here. Uh, and they have game tape to, to they have film on film on them. So count me in for the Cougars. Yeah. We'll have a write up on the uh, action network.com and the action network apps and so make sure you check that out. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Monday night football between the Packers and Falcons. Uh, at Bet MGM right now, the Packers are six and a half point favorites over under 56 and a half. Uh, I took the Falcons plus seven and a half as soon as I saw that number. Uh, I make this like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, now, there's a ton of uncertainty around the receivers who are going to play in this game. You have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, who are both banged up. Russell Gage is a concussion, but he should play. On the other side, you have 
Lazard, who is not going to play for the Packers, and Devontae Adams, who's questionable. So it's like, who's playing in this game? But I'm assuming that Julio does play. I'm assuming that Ridley does play, and I'm assuming that Adams plays. If Ridley and Jones don't play and then Adams does, obviously that swings things. The Packers have been really impressive, but I'll say this again. I mean, they beat the Saints last week, an undermanned Saints team, in a game that, you know, it really could have went either way. I mean, late you have Sean Payton drunk trying to run options with with Taysom Hill, even though the Saints were averaging, and I'm going to stress this, the Saints were averaging – 7.8 yards per play at the time. They finished averaging seven yards per play for the game. They had 400 yards of offense. This Packers defense is awful. Awful. Um, So I think the Falcons will be able to get some stuff done on the ground. Um, And they're going to move the ball. The the Falcons, look, everyone is low on this Falcons team because they're, you know, they're 0-3, obviously. This is who they started out against. They, They played the Seahawks, right? They played the Cowboys, and they played the Bears. The Bears are a fraud, but they should have beat the Bears. They, were, they should have beat the Cowboys. And they could have beat the Seahawks. In the second half, on fourth and four, the Seattle scores on a fourth down, and then the Falcons go for it on a fourth down with a fake punt and fumble it after they convert it. In that game, I mean, the, the, the Falcons were 0 for 4 on fourth downs with their offense. Seattle was 1 for 1. The turnover battle they lost. But the game was pretty much dead even. I mean, they each averaged 6.6 yards per play. And we know about the Dallas game. I mean, they had a 98%, 98%, 99% win probability in that game, as they did the next week. It was like the first team in NFL history to blow two two-touchdown fourth-quarter leads in back-to-back weeks. So, look, and Atlanta's going to do that. They're going to score points with anybody. You know, they, their offense is extremely electric. They're going to put up points. Their defense is very questionable. Um, to say the least. So they're going to give up points. I'm sure the Packers are going to score points here. And the Falcons are going to blow leads with bad coaching decisions. But that doesn't matter here if you're getting seven or above. At six and a half, I did no value to me. But if you're getting seven or above, I like the Falcons. And, and the Packers, I'll just say this, the Packers' defense is bad. Their offense is playing way above its head. This is basically the same team as last year. And I don't care what the Packers did. The Saints win, okay, it's pretty impressive. I did bump them a little bit. But who I don't care – about the Packers' first two wins over the Vikings and all their rookie corners, and then the Lions when their entire defense was hurt. So, uh, again, I make this 5.8, 5.9. I'm confident in my number in this game. Seven or above, I would take – especially if you get seven and a half if there's some steam on Green Bay, take Atlanta. If not, it's a pass. You can wait to see if you can get Atlanta live over seven. Any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, these teams have each played three games, and all of those games have gone over. So you've got two teams here that have made six overs so far this year. Uh, I'll say this, Atlanta's playing much better on the road against the spread, and they are at home. I mean, they're 5-0 and against the spread their last five times out on the road. That goes back to last year. And this is a perfect – this is what we call a buy-low, sell-high opportunity. Uh, Atlanta losing their last game against the Bears, uh, not covering the spread going in against the Packers, who obviously winning and covering. Uh, and, and, you know, some of the Packers, uh, you know, they were outgained last week by New Orleans by the Saints. So uh, it's a perfect buy low, sell high opportunity. But like Stuck says, shop around. You want the best price. Uh, by the way, go rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy about our, this podcast. We appreciate your support. Reviews really help. Um, and then if you don't have the Action Network app, make sure you download that. I'm sure you do. But one of the articles that I put out this week was – about overs so this is something to watch you're gonna we're gonna see we're recording this before 
the Sunday slate today. Uh, but we're going to see what overs do today. They're 30 and 19 coming into Sunday, and they're hitting by an average of about five points per game, and scoring is up five points per game. A lot of people, you've heard a lot of people out there say, you know, oh, the penalties are up. So that's why scoring's up five points. It's easy. No, it's not that easy. You got to actually do some work before you say things like that. Holdings, holding calls are down about one holding call per game. You have false starts, which are down, which makes sense. There's no crowd noise. Defensive pass interference is up, and the holding calls are, are, are down significantly. You do have to worry about sample size in three weeks. But if you do the work, you'll see that rough estimate, it's about two, two and change, two points. So holding calls, yeah. Holding calls in the defensive pass interference and false starts worth about are causing a scoring increase of about two points per game. Okay, well, scoring's up over five. What's the other part of that? Well, some of it is fourth down aggression. Teams are, you know, fourth down attempts per opportunity. Uh, teams are going for it about 2% more. That trend line just keeps going up and up and up. Not, not long until we see it at 20%. You also have pace and efficiency are up. Pace is way up. We're getting about four and change more plays per game. You know, add that with the increase in yards per play. You're talking about another two points right there. And the pace is up, I think, and the efficiency is up because of no crowd noise. Easier for quarterbacks to communicate with the receivers, offensive linemen to communicate. You can go faster and you're able to go more efficient. You're able to, you, you know, you don't have to worry about these, the noise. You're able to read the defense, communicate what's going on. And then, you know, there are, there's some effect of, you know, obviously there might be some noise in these overs, but there's also – uh, or an early season effect um, where, you know, the quarterback's quarterback health is at its peak. Weather is nice and conducive to overs. But, yeah, the penalties and uh, I think this environment without noise, and I think the penalties are a real thing, and it makes sense. It aligns with everything the NFL has done recently, and that's they want points, they want fantasy, they want offense. You know, that's what the illegal contact rule does, everything they do. So take away the holding calls, they're at a historic low over – you know, we were from like 2.7 holds per game last year to like one, one six. Now, check my article if you haven't, but it's real. So I adjusted my totals up by about like three points across the board on average. Obviously, it's different depending on you know if the total was projected to be 52 versus 42, but it's real. Wish I would have known about it. Would have saved me some under losers in the NFL, but yeah, it's something to keep in mind. And these two teams are six and zero to the over, as Colin said. All right, so check out my article on that game. Check out Colin's article. Uh, on the Thursday night game coming later in the week. We'll be back on Friday morning with our week six college football betting preview. Chris Freibon and myself will be back on Thursday morning with the NFL week five betting preview. We'll also have our golf and fantasy during the week. Shout to BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Thanks, Colin, for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for the voicemails. Make sure you go rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. You know the drill. Really helps us. Really appreciate the support. It was a good weekend, but who cares? It's on the next weekend. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. finished talking.